Good morning. I know some ladies are locked in after that, but every guy in here is like, yes. Um, I need you to understand what just happened. I've been after John Burns to put a highlight of Barry Sanders, my favorite football player ever, up on this screen, and he just wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't do it, and I said, John, I will make the theme of every single sermon series running, or the Detroit Lions, or Barry Sanders until we get a clip up there. So he just saved all of you years of <laughs> seeing that. Uh, the other th person I want to thank, last week Brad Brady gave me a rest and he continued our series. And Brad, it was awesome. I, it was awesome. In fact, I, I, when I listened to it, I went, I'm just going to... I'm just going to give that message again this week and see if anybody notices. So, uh, Well, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, many of you, if you got your bulletin, you saw we have an insert in there uh, because we are well aware of what is on everyone's minds right now with the um, coronavirus going around. And so uh, we want you to know that, number one, we are, this is on our radar, um, especially in the context of us gathering as a church, and if you didn't get one, there are some at the visitor center on your way out, please grab one on your way out. We've got some, some practices that we would love, that we've just been paying attention to briefings from local, national, global health agencies and what they're recommending, and those come from sources even within the church that are well connected. A lot of it is just common sense, but one thing we don't have on here, um, we talked about using a wave or an elbow bump. Okay, you can do the fist bump. I would like to advocate something from my high school days in the late 90s. This is how we all greeted one another. <laughs> so I'd like to propose we bring that back. Uh, if you're over 40, watch your neck. I, I did this the other day and I was like, oh, I need a chiropractor, all right? But, and if we're gonna bring that back, I'm gonna advocate we bring the bowl haircut back as well from the late 90s, but you go first, not me. So. Well, uh, in light of this, uh, can I pray? Because I believe that even in the midst of this, even with everything that the media is um, putting out there and it's hard to know what to believe, um, here's the thing. We know people that are connected in the medical community, but we, we know our Heavenly Father in the midst of all this. And so will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, as we dive in this morning to your word, would you remind us um, just in the context of everything going on in our world, and specifically this coronavirus, that uh, you, can, you can see the fear that it has perpetuated, and uh, we want to be wise about how to handle it and go about it. But, Lord, we know that you know, and that you are still on your throne in the midst of it. And so, regardless of the developments, obviously we pray. We come to you and pray for a halt to the spread of this virus, but in the meantime and in the midst of it, we pray for the reminder of your perfect peace and even the opportunities to express to those around us, to the community around us, the world around us, the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, I, uh, I, I was thinking back this week, and I was reminded of growing up. There are, you know, there, our education system gives us some, some very valuable, practical, technical life skills. And I started thinking back at some of the peripheral learning that happened through the years. Now, for instance, years ago, wasn't good at math, 
was not good at math at all. And so my dad would sit with me at the kitchen table every single night, and we would work on math. And I remember one of my first math lessons was actually not anything um, tied to the processes and formulas and, and how you arrive at the answer to a math problem. One of my earliest learnings was actually when we sat down at the table, and he sat down with a pencil, and, and we started working on math, and I sat down with a pen. And the first thing my dad ever taught me about math is you don't do math with a pen. Because why? Because you need that eraser, and you need something that can be erased. Years later, we, uh, we had a condo that we rented out, and I remember coming to the, uh, the table with the would-be tenants, and I had forgotten a pen, and so we're sitting there with the contract, and they decided to pull out a pencil to sign the contract with. Do you sign a contract with a pencil? No, you don't do math with a pen, and you don't sign contracts with a pencil. And then this caused me to think back, uh, going back a little ways. Growing up, it was junior high, and I remember I got this note from this girl. And this girl liked me, okay? This was like the last time this has happened before I got married, okay? After junior high, it just didn't happen. So this girl gave me a note, and it was a love note, okay? So nothing wrong with that. Appreciate it. I understand. I like me too, okay? But she, it was this love note, but she decided, the instrument she decided to use to convey this was not cursive. You know, it was not like hearts or anything like that. She cut words out of the newspaper and magazines like a ransom note. <laughs> it said, hey, I, I really like you. Would, you. would you like to go out? And I just thought, do you like me? Or are you going like, to kidnap my family or something? Because th this just doesn't line up. And, and see, in, in our world, we can understand there are certain instruments that need to be used for certain tasks. And so... If you need pens, you go buy a package of pens. If you need pencils, you go buy a package of pencils. But that's not quite how it works with our Heavenly Father. And I believe as we've been walking through the book of Jonah, there is a reminder of how, he does, how our Heavenly Father does things with the instruments he uses. Because as we're going to discover, as Jonah discovered, as we're going to be reminded as we walk through this, and especially this morning, as we go into chapter 3 of Jonah, there is a reminder that God writes his message to the world with instruments he has formed with his word. God writes his message to the rest of the world with instruments he has formed with his word. And what that means is that you may not come out of the box completely ready. But a lot of times this is what we do. And a lot of times, I've had too many conversations with people that they look in the mirror and they go, God, you can't possibly use me. And I know that's been my own experience as well. Because we look at him and then we look at ourselves and we go, how, how can he use me? And the truth is, he wants to use every single one of us. Because in the beginning, he had his word. In the beginning, there was a message he wanted to send. But he chose. He chose in the middle of it to look upon us and say, I want to use every single one of you as an instrument to convey that message. And I want to use my word to form you. Now, here's the problem. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, we saw the problem. If you've been here, 
we've been walk- or if you haven't been here, we've been walking through Jonah. But at the very beginning of Jonah, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, sentence later, but Jonah ran. But Jonah ran. See, there was, there was an issue with the instrument. And you look at it and you go, Lord, Lord, your, your plan's not quite perfect here because there's something wrong with the instrument. It looks like the wrong instrument. It looks like we have an issue. And as we're about to see, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. But what we do is we look around, and when it comes to the word of the Lord, it's easy to set aside the very thing that God wants to use to form us. And so the question this morning is not what can I do differently, what can, what can I look like, how do I be the instrument God wants to use? The answer this morning is for us to look at how he uses his word to form us. Because as you look at Jonah, one and two, and as we dive into three, there is a formation process that's going on with Jonah. Now, obviously it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and Jonah ran, but as you walk through, you remember we walked through chapter one of Jonah, and what did God use his word to do? God sent a storm. God sent a storm, and what happened was Jonah ended up on rough seas after running the other direction. Jonah ended up on rough, rough seas, and after the storm arrived, he decided to check out, and he decided to go to sleep, and when he finally woke up, he was woken up by somebody else on the boat. And there's something I don't want you to miss here as we look back at chapter 1. Because as this storm arrived, you know who Jonah was with? See, when Jonah ran, Jonah was looking at Jonah. And Jonah was worried about Jonah. But when the storm arrived, now Jonah is with people. He's with some other sailors. And there's a reminder in this, and I still, even as recently as this past week, I was reminded as I walked next to somebody, and as I was listening to the storm that's hit their life, I was reminded that God's word, it can disorient us. He can use his word to disorient us, and it could possibly bring about a storm, but it's a storm that puts us with people, and it gets our eyes off of us, doesn't it? I mean, think about, think about some of your biggest storms in life. Isn't it true that at some point, God put somebody in your path, that as you listen to their situation, you go, oh man, you know what? God did something in my life. God did something with the storm in my life. And it's, it's hard to think that God would actually use his word to disorient us. I mean, that's not fun to think about because we want to wake up in the morning. We want to be inspired, which his word can do that. But we want, to be, we want to be on the mountaintop like all day, every single day. But sometimes his word, it disorients our way of being. And it disorients us to the point that we get our eyes off of ourselves. One day, Jesus said to the disciples, and we talked about this, let's go across the lake. And in literally obeying the word of God himself, What'd they go into? A storm. A storm. See, it's possible. God may first need to disorient our ways to get our eyes off of ourselves. But then, as we continued into chapter 2, as Brad talked about last week, it says the word of the, or the Lord sent a wind that created a storm, but then the Lord provided a fish 
to swallow Jonah. Now, I, I just read that sentence and I go, that can't end well. It just can't end well. And, and that can't feel good. And the truth is, it didn't. As Brad preached last week, you see the crying out of Jonah from a very tight, pressed-in space. And this is the other thing God does with his word. It disorients us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto other people. But the word of the Lord provided a fish that put Jonah in a tight, tight, pressed-in place so that the only one who could minister to Jonah in that time was who? His heavenly father. See, God may need to use his word to disorient us, to get our eyes off of ourselves, onto other people, and onto him. Now, that's not really our first thought in the morning, though, is it? Because i got to be honest, much of my day is planning around the avoidance of storms, isn't it? Yet God says, no, my, my word may, may disorient you, but my word is what's going to sustain in the midst of it as well. As Jonah learned, and as you and I continue to learn and we continue to be reminded. I came across a story of a cargo ship. In 1992, there was a cargo ship coming from Hong Kong over the United States, and it had all kinds of shipping containers on it, but a storm came up, and several of these cargo containers were lost into the ocean, and one of them broke open, and it had 28,000 plastic and rubber bath toys. 28,000 of them. Ducks, frogs, and little boats. So this is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and what happened is over time, many of these 28,000 toys drifted into, there is a giant, there's a giant floating heap of plastic and trash right now in the Pacific Ocean that they estimate its square, square mileage is equivalent to the size of the state of Texas. 28,000 of these toys ended up floating right there. Now, over the years, some of those lucky ducks and lucky animals ended up in places like Hawaii. Some ended up in, in places like South America, some in Alaska, some even in Australia. But recently, recently one of those washed up right here in Northern California, and they were able to look at this thing, and it was worn, but it had been identified as part of this shipping container. And so, there was a man who was interviewed about all this, and he said, honestly, he knows about this heap of floating trash, and he said, the only way any of those toys could break away from being in this giant mound of trash is if a storm comes along. And it hits the Pacific so hard that it sends them running. And I thought, how interesting, that maybe, maybe the storms we spend so much time running from and so much time avoiding are exactly what God needed to do to disorient us enough to stop floating around in this giant heap that may be comfortable. I don't know, I've never asked one of the toys, but it may be just this place of complacency. See, his word can disorient us, but there's something else God's word can do. It's a delivering word as well. Look at, look at the end of chapter 2 in the beginning of chapter 3 of Jonah with me. His word came, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Lord commanded the fish. And it, this is just so inspiring. And it vomited Jonah 
on the dry land. Okay, so imagine this. See, I think we read this and we forget about it. Jonah, Jonah has been delivered out of the fish but covered in vomit. And that's how God wants to use him. Can you imagine? I mean, we haven't even gotten to the Ninevites yet. Jonah hasn't even gone to proclaim to him. But he is covered in fish barf. And see, one of the things I wrote down as I was reading this is that sometimes deliverance doesn't feel like deliverance, does it? Sometimes deliverance feels like you are covered in the muck. And it's because he needed to disorient us in order to deliver us from the stuff behind us. As it continues, chapter 3, verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And so here we are. This is where we were on week one. I mean, we've been a month down the road now. And Jonah has spent, well, I don't know how long, but hundreds of miles. Jonah has been in a storm, in a fish, and here we are at square one all over again. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And last time, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, it said, but Jonah ran. What is it this time? Jonah obeyed. Jonah obeyed. Jonah, was this that hard? Did, did we have to go through all of this? And his answer, and the Lord's answer is, maybe we did. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And, and there's this thing about obedience to this word that disorients us that's just not that glamorous sometimes. It's not exactly inspirational all the time because sometimes it's the exact opposite thing that we want to do. But Jonah obeyed. And the reason is, is because God gives a delivering word. He delivers us from the stuff behind us, but sometimes he has to deliver us from the stuff inside of us. The stuff that says, no, no, I know best. No, God, I, I don't want to do that. And as we get into this in the coming weeks for Jonah, it was, God, I, I, I don't like that you'd have compassion on who you want to have compassion on. I want you to have compassion on who I want you to have compassion on. And the Lord said, no, you've got to be delivered from that. But it continues. There's another deliverance. Verse 4. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, into the heart of the most ruthless, brutal city that the world knew at that time. They were considered a terrorist state, a day's journey into the city. Now, I do have to say this. He was covered in vomit. And so maybe people were like, staying away from that guy. Just let him go. Just let him go. He'll... he'll He'll meet his end. And see, it, it's, it's possible that God, his word, doesn't just need to deliver us from the stuff behind us and the stuff inside of us, but maybe we're completely unaware of how he's delivering us from the stuff all around us as well. I believe we're largely unaware because we don't like to think that we needed or need deliverance. We like to think I'm just fine. And I saw a video this week that made me go, no, nope, that, that pretty much sums up our human condition. So let me, uh, let me burn this into your brain real quick. Take a look.
Can we loop that one more time just for coronavirus practices we're not going to utilize? Okay. That is disgusting, okay? Somebody was like, <clears throat> Nathan, that looks like your daughter, True. I said, no, it's a, it's a Notre Dame hoodie. That is not my daughter. And she will never wear a Notre Dame hoodie. Sorry, Mike Kettle. Um, and, and as I watched this, I was actually reminded of a couple months ago, I went to um, a football game, a high school, the state championship. Columbine was playing, go Columbine! Anyway, they were playing in the state championship. And I went with somebody whose name I'm not going to mention because I still want you to talk to them after I tell you this story. So my son Lincoln and I went with this person and their son. And I took, I took Lincoln and their son to get a snack. And both boys said they had to go to the bathroom. And so we go into the men's restroom at, what's the name of, um, what is it now? What is it? Empowerfield. I'm not used to it. I'm going to call It's Mile High. Okay, so at Mile High Stadium, we are uh, in the men's bathroom, and so helping Lincoln out, and this other boy goes into the stall, shuts the door, and um, locks it. And I was like, okay, just come out when you're done. And so we're, I'm washing Lincoln's hands, and I look, and this kid is army crawling on the floor underneath the stall, and I just went... These are the future leaders of, of America, right there. And then I thought, you know what? That was me, though, too. That was me at one point. Because you know why? We all just need deliverance. And God says, I'll use my word to do that. I can use my word to disorient you, to get your eyes back on people and on me. I can use my word to deliver you. But there's one more thing. There's one more thing as we look at just this first part of Jonah chapter 3. It's a directing word. Jonah began, I'm going to read this again. Verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites, this is just, it just says it so casually. The Ninevites, these ruthless, brutal people, believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now, I read that, and I just go, How? How does that happen? I mean, it's a message that doesn't even feel good. It doesn't even feel good. You want to know why? Because it was the Word. That's what God's Word does. God's Word is fully capable of directing our lives, other people's hearts. It goes on. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. These were actions of grieving and mourning and repenting and turning from his ways. And we'll get into that more next week. But I read this and I go, how did the message get to him? Because it doesn't say Jonah just walked right up. I highly doubt Jonah, covered in fish barf, was going to get access to the king of Nineveh, as large as the city was. How did the word get to the king of Nineveh? We don't know. But see, that's the mystery of how God's word works. It can disorient us. It can deliver us. But it also directs us. Maybe in ways we can't possibly know. And honestly, the more I try to put a formula to it, the more I think I just go down a tangent that God didn't intend to go on. There is a mystery to God's ways and God's word. 
that I believe we've got to submit to and be okay with not knowing all of the answers to. There was a, uh, as I read this, I just thought, this is kind of like that game of, remember telephone? We used to play this with the youth group all the time. And there's just, I realize there's this nature of the, the you know, you, you get the message, somebody whispers it to you, you give it to somebody else, and then there's a point where you cannot control what it does. You can't control what his message does, can you? And there's always somebody who needs to screw the game up. That was usually me, but um, it, just, it just always seems to happen. And I think a lot of times what God is inviting us to do is just say, hey, Here's my word, pass this along, and leave the ways, leave the impact, leave the outcome, leave the timing to me. We actually just yesterday in the mail, Kara came in with the mail, and she said, hey, we, uh, we got a Christmas card. I was like, we got a Christmas card? And I looked at the postmark, and I thought, who are these idiots, okay? And don't worry, there's nobody in here. But I looked at the postmark, and it was actually sent mid-December. And I thought, oh, there's a picture, isn't there? See, God, I want your word right now to do what I think it should do in the way I want you to do it. But sometimes, sometimes, maybe it needs to go its way, its timing. And I opened this card, and there was the reminder of a Savior born for us. A Christmas card in March, and I thought, I moved from who are these idiots to wow, that's his word. That's what it does. It's a disorienting word. It's a delivering word. It's a directing word. See, God, God writes his message to the world using instruments that he has performed with his word. And so the question for us is what does our relationship to his word look like? I mean, you've got the spoken word of God, prayer life. You've got the written word of God, time, reading his word, and the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ. Time with him, time with his body. When we take communion every single month, that's that reminder of the word of God incarnate. And so maybe the best question to ask as we walk out of here is what what is my relationship with his word? Because it's too easy. It's too easy to let it collect dust on the shelf. And it's too easy to give it our leftovers at the end of the day. And it's too easy to neglect it. But God says, no, it's the very thing I want to use to form you. And so with that in mind, as the worship team comes up, let me close us in prayer. And we'll go before God and ask him to speak his word. Heavenly Father. Lord, we are so reminded with everything going on, and even as we talked about earlier with news reports and the schedules we keep and, and just all the different words that come our way every single day, would you remind us that there is one thing that is constant and has always been constant, and it is your word? Would you remind us that we have an option? Your word there at the beginning, your message there at the beginning, you give us the opportunity to be an instrument of you communicating that word. And so as we talk about what that message actually is for the rest of the world in the coming weeks, Lord, start with us. Start with our hearts. If it's been a while, 
Give us the assurance and the peace that we can come before you and say, it's been a while. And know that you smile upon us and you say, welcome back. I want to talk and I want to listen. If it's been a while since we've opened your written word, Lord, some in here may not even know where to start. Would you guide us? Whether it's a conversation, a situation, however it is you want to steer that, would you guide us to where in in your word you'd like to illuminate and engage us? And Lord, your incarnate word, Jesus Christ, would you remind us every single day and every single moment of what he did on our behalf when he went to the cross, but also the resurrection life that he now offers us. Lord, remind us every single week as we gather, whether it's in weekly ministries or in worship on Sunday mornings, that it's an opportunity to come into the very presence of the body of Christ. Open our eyes, Heavenly Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.